0: All right, well, good morning, everybody. Good morning, good morning. I don't know about you all, but uh, last night I got good sleep because I stopped watching the game at halftime. Uh, (laughs) I was over at a friend's house, and I was like, yep, I know where this is going. I'm like, I'm going to sleep. (laughs) Woke up this morning, saw the score, and I was like, yep. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. (laughs) Yeah, 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 the lions, the lions. We got something to cheer about, right? (laughs) Well, that's not my message for today. Um, (laughs) Today we're talking about New Testament generosity. Woo! Whenever we, you know, whenever we talk about money in the West, it's like, ooh oh my goodness you know how do we how do we t- how do we navigate this um, and today we're just going to tackle it um, by looking at uh, who God is as the generous God uh, because he is so generous to us he is so kind to us um, and then for those of you all who are with us um, a couple of years ago um, I preached a message or a series Jesse and I kind of tag teamed the series and it was about uh, our identity as priests before the Lord, and so I'm going to tie that in as well, on how this connects to our identity as priests before the Lord, and then maybe look at some practicals. But then at the end, um, I, I kind of want to give us a little challenge as a church, especially as we have a conference coming up here in uh, in a couple of, in a few weeks. Um, but I'm excited about today. I, I really am. I'm genuinely excited because. When we're talking about generosity, the only reason why I would think that generosity and financial stewardship for us kind of makes us cringe a little bit is because we're still hanging on to the lordship and our entitlement over our finances. Really, I think that's I think that's really the main reason why. When any time the subject of money or finances comes up in church, of course. You know, people in the past, you know, have you know abused finances and things of that sort. But I, I gen, gen, generally, like we are called as believers to be generous people. Freely you receive, freely you give. That's what we're called to be. We're we're called to be generous people. And today, I wanna I wanna challenge us as in our in our generosity and take a look at some scriptures on what New Testament generosity looks like. But before we get into that, uh, I'm gonna say a prayer for us and then uh, we'll dive right in, all right? So Father, we come before you in the name of your glorious son, Jesus, Lord, and we say thank you for the cross. Lord, we say thank you for redeeming us by the blood of Jesus. And, Lord, we stand boldly before your throne even now as your people. And we say, Lord, would you open our eyes to see how generous you are towards us. And as we see your generosity towards us, that it would open our hearts, that it would stir our hearts, that it would stir our minds, Lord, to uh, move and act and be generous towards our brothers and sisters in Christ and those uh, around us, Lord. So we, we're asking, Lord, for just a spirit of wisdom and of revelation this morning. Uh, we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. So uh, I'm picking up here in the introduction, right? This is kind of what I already uh, said, but I'm just going to repeat it just, to, just to, for the sake of emphasis. The subject of money and giving especially in the Western church, can be awkward for many Christians because of our entitlement and our sense of lordship over our finances. Yet, Jesus in his teachings and through the apostles unapologetically challenges our financial stewardship. So we're going to discuss this subject from a New Testament priestly perspective, but I kind of want to begin I want to begin with uh, uh, an experience that took place for me a few years ago in which the Lord began to teach me about generosity. Uh, uh, A few years ago when I was at Moody Bible Institute, I had to do an internship at the House of Prayer East Lansing. Justin was my mentor for 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 that year. And I remember there was a day... I I don't under, I I don't remember what it was but I was really frustrated spiritually. I was just like I was frustrated. I remember going into my parents' house just frustrated. I I still don't remember what I was frustrated about. And I was just beginning just to kind of figure out how to do this whole intercessory prayer, house of prayer thing. And um you know, I with my finances and everything, I was working part-time. I would budget my money just regularly and I would have these two um these two folders cuz I still I do the Dave Ramsey thing you know where he has the <laughs> where he, I, I I don't do I don't do I don't like electronics all that much like electronic budgeting and all that I just like like I like to have the paper money on me like cash on me you know I just that's just I'm just old school like that I guess and so <laughs> and so I like to have just like paper money on me and so in these little folders that I have, you know, I have free spend money, I have groceries, and then I have tithing and I have giving as well. So that's the way that I do my budgeting. I have my tithing, my 10% that I give to the church, and then my free giving money where I could give to anybody that I wanted to just to support their ministry or whatever it may be. And I remember I just bust through my parents' door. I'm frustrated, I'm mad. And I'm praying, to, I'm praying to the Lord. I'm like, God, I'm frustrated. I'm mad about something. I don't know what I'm mad about. I mean, I knew what I was mad about then, but I don't know what I'm mad about. I was, was mad about now. And I remember it was like a, a, a vision picture just kind of popped into my mind, and he showed me that I had a closed fist. And in this vision and picture in my mind, I knew immediately what he meant when he showed this to me. It was just a simple, it was just something very, very simple. It was that I was hanging on so tightly to my money that when uh, I was hanging on so tight that I had a closed fist around my money, but because I didn't have an open hand to freely give, I couldn't receive what he wanted to give me. And that was the picture that came into my mind is that I I had such a tight grip on my money that it was preventing, I believe, just the Lord releasing more encounter of himself. And there's something dynamically tied to how we give to the people around us and how we receive from the Lord. And so I just want to begin with that because... You know, I I remember as soon as the Lord showed that to me, it convicted my heart really, really bad, like like to the core. And I remember I had seventy dollars in my give in my little give envelope. I ran upstairs. I went, pulled out all the money in my give envelope. I went to Starbucks and I slapped the money down on the table and I said, "I'm not even getting a coffee. Just pay for everybody who comes, be, you know, who comes behind me." I was like, "I need to get this money out of my hand. I'm like, I'm getting rid of this money," and and I just I just ran down the street to the house of prayer and I was like, "I'm not even looking back. I'm just giving my money away. I don't even care what they do with it. Just get it out of my hand because I'm like." okay, if this is what God is telling me, that there's something connected to my giving and my spirit, like receiving revelation and spiritual things, I'm like, I gotta take this seriously. And so that's just like a funny story to me in my mind because I, I, you know, I was just so uh, zealous back then. I was just like, okay, immediate obedience. I'm just gonna run to Starbucks, just put $70 down on the table and then just run out the door. You know, that's just kind of what I was. I'm still kind of like that, I guess. Um, <laughs> But as believers, we are called and expected to give. Seriously, we are. Like this is this isn't just like uh, you know, a, you know, a lot of people they, you know, do ploys to, you know, okay, give more to the church. No, like 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 seriously, we are called to be generous people to the to those that are around us. And our our generosity begins with beholding the generous God, beholding how good kind and how generous God is towards us. And when we see how good and how kind and how God is towards us, how generous he is towards us, it'll stir our hearts and it'll motivate us to give to the people around us because we'll see how abundant God's grace is towards us and we'll we'll act the same way towards other people. And so let's look at uh, Roman numeral one. Paragraph A. This is the generous God. God owns everything. <laughs> so our study about biblical generosity, it has to begin with God, who's the blessed creator of all things, right? Genesis 1, John 1. And because God created all things, that means he is the owner of all things. <laughs> you know, we don't own anything, really. And so we have to shift our mindset from being owners to stewards. We have to shift our mindset from I own this thing to, no, I'm stewarding this thing because the Lord has given it to me. Uh, if you guys would be so kind to turn with me to 1 uh, Chronicles chapter 29. that should It's in the notes. as 2 Chronicles. It should be 1 Chronicles. Turn to 1 Chronicles 29, and I'm just going to read 11 to 13 for us. Verses 11 and 13. Now, this is... David making preparations to build the temple, right? His son Solomon will ultimately build the temple, but he's made a call to the people, and, you know, he's making extensive preparations for the temple. And this is what he says. This is absolutely amazing. This actually just struck me recently, um, and I just kind of put this into the message here because I was just reading through the scriptures, and I came across this passage. Because David is, he, you know, he, he finishes making the extensive preparations of bronze, silver, gold, wood, things of that sort. And this is what he says. I'm going to begin in verse 10. It says, David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. And so in this prayer, David is saying, God, he recognizes. He's saying, Lord, all of the gold and all of the silver, all of the bronze, all of the timber that has been brought to Jerusalem to build your magnificent temple, we we would be speaking wrongly if we said it was ours. We're just bringing back to you what's already yours, and we give you the praise, all the honor, and all the glory. And so David is recognizing that everything that the people are bringing to the Lord is the Lord's. (laughs) He's saying, it's not ours, it's it's yours. We're just giving it right back to you to build your temple. And check uh, Psalm 50, verse 10. (laughs) This is the Lord speaking through the psalmist. He says, I have no need of a bull from your stall or of goats from your pens. He says, for every animal of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills. That's a lot of hills. That's a lot of cattle. He says, they're all mine. And so we have to think, everything is the Lord's seriously. <laughs> everything that you have, everything that I have is the Lord's. When we, when we bring our tithes and offerings to church, do you think the Lord needs money? Like you know, like it's his already, and so we have to understand that the Lord is the owner of all things. He created everything. Everything, uh, there there is nothing that is that is not His. <laughs> everything that is is the Lord's, and so we have to move from our thinking of ourselves as owners to ourselves as stewards of what God has given to us. All right, let's look, paragraph B. God's gift of wealth Though God owns all things he has given the earth to humanity from which we gain our wealth by his grace Right God shows no partiality he gives the ability to accumulate wealth to both the wicked and the righteous Right check this out in Deuteronomy 8:17 8, to 18 He says you may yourself uh, you, you may say to yourself my power this is Moses talking to the Israelites before they entered into the promised land. And he's saying, the Lord speaking through Moses, he's saying, remember this. Remember this. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so it is not only that God owns everything but he gives us the ability and the grace to work, to labor, and to produce financial gain and wealth. If the Lord were to remove his grace from your life, we wouldn't be able to do anything. Seriously. Like if the Lord, were, if the Lord can halt your finances in a moment, and he can open the floodgates of finances in a moment. The Lord gives us the ability and the grace to gain wealth. And the question is, what do we do with our wealth? What do we do with our money? What do we do with our finances? That's the real question. Because where our treasure is, that's where our heart will be also. And so the point of what I'm I'm trying to get us to today, and we'll get to it, is I'm trying to point us to a higher riches, riches, eternal riches. Because I'm jumping ahead is that when we die, we're not going to take any of the money that we have right now with us to, to, before the Lord. We're not. Paul is very clear about that in 1 Timothy chapter 6. He says, he says the money that we have right now, we're not going to stand before the Lord with that money. The Lord's not going to ask us, how much do you have in your savings account? <laughs> like, we, we, we're going to leave everything that we have behind, and that's why it's important to be rich towards God. It's important to be rich towards God and not just rich before men. We need to be rich before the Lord, where we have our minds and our hearts set on eternal riches, not just our current financial situation, because the truth of the matter is that we're not going to bring it before the Lord before we die, when we die. Okay. So God is the one who provides for our needs. He gives us the ability to work and make money. But check this out here in paragraph C. And this is a glorious truth is that we can't outgive God. <laughs> we cannot outgive God. In fact, there's a situation that happened in the book of Malachi where the priests they were supposed to bring offerings before the Lord, but they brought before the Lord half-hearted, defiled animals before the Lord. They brought half-hearted offerings before the Lord and he rebuked them for it. He says uh, he rebuked them for their lack of faith, thinking that he would not bless them for their giving. You know, the Lord, he promises blessing and extravagance towards us. We can test him in this. And check this out in Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 and 10. This is in the notes here. And you can check this out later. This is a marvelous Malachi 3 chapter here. It says, but you ask, how are we robbing you? Right, because, the, because God was saying to the priest, he says, you're robbing me. And they're like, how? And they were so blinded by their own greed and by their own half-heartedness that they didn't realize that they were robbing God. And this is what it says. He said, but you ask, how are, you, how are we robbing you? He said, and this is the Lord responding to them. He says, in tithes and offerings. He says, test me in this. Try me. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. He says, test me in this. He says, and just see how generous I am. (laughs) He says, I want you to test me in this. I want you to test me in what you bring before me in your offerings. You know, and, and what, what you bring before me, show me. And we got to believe and trust that God can give more than we can. <laughs> that God can give more than we can. Because God holds all the treasures in the world. You know, we don't serve a broke God. <laughs> God's not broke. He owns everything. <laughs> I like saying that. He's not, he's not broke. He's got riches unfathomable. Oh, hallelujah. He's got riches unfathomable. Our Father is not broke. Our Heavenly Father is not broke. He is rich beyond measure. You know what? He's a Father who loves to get go- give good gifts as well. Our Father is a generous God. This is paragraph D giving every good and perfect gift from heaven. You see that in James 1.17. You see, the the Lord, he enjoys, he delights in, he loves giving good gifts to us, especially more of himself in the Holy Spirit. We see that in Luke 11.13. You see, God is willing to give us good gifts if if we ask with the right motives. hmm Check that out in James 1, 17 and uh, chapter 4. He says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. James put it plain and simple right there. I don't have to do much theological interpretive work right there, because he says it just straight up. He says, God gives good gifts. He's a good father. He's the father of lights. And it's his joy and it's his pleasure to give good gifts to his children when we ask with the right motives in our heart. When we ask for things and we really are just going to go spend it on our lusts and our passions, I mean, the Lord's probably not going to respond to that prayer. Right, and then we may ask the question, well, okay, you know, if God is so rich, he owns everything, why doesn't he just give me everything now? Right, because I think I, uh, in our humanity, our human propensity is to, when we have everything that we need, then we forget God. And that's what the Israelites did. When they were rich in the land, they, for, they stopped eating the manna, they stopped eating the quail, but they had some real nice Palm, uh, palm date trees, and all that stuff. They got, they had the nice. Uh, they ate from the fruit of the land, and what happens? We see it all through the book of Judges. They slowly began to drift and did what was right in their own eyes because they really didn't need God anymore, quote, so to speak. If God's so rich and He has, He owns everything. Why doesn't He give me everything right now and just make me so, you know, rich for life and I'll be content and I'll be happy? well, then you would probably stop trusting in him for your daily bread, like we talked about last week. Daily bread. <laughs> daily bread. It's this humble dependence. God's not saying, I'm trying to keep you broke. <laughs> He's not, that's, I, don't think, I don't think that's in the Lord's heart. I, I really don't think so. I, I, the Lord loves to give blessing. But I think he gives us just what we need so that every day we come back to him and say, Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. He doesn't want to lose the conversation with you. Our dependency upon the Lord isn't Him withholding His goodness of a Father from us, it's saying, I don't want to lose the conversation. I don't want to lose you to your, the, the, that you thought you gained your own wealth, that you thought you're okay with by yourself, that you thought, you thought, you thought. He's saying, I don't want to lose that conversation of God, I need you. God, I, I am desperate for you. God, I will never stop needing you. You know, I'm a high school teacher right now. And I mean, many of you all know that the salary isn't, you know, ideal for all the things that we go through. <laughs> I, was, I was waiting on that amen from you, Sandy. <laughs> but I have what I need. I can pay my car bill. I can pay my house bill. I can go to the grocery store, get what I need to eat. I can go out with my friends and have, you know, uh, have a lunch or have a dinner, and, you know, I'm still able to give my tithing, and I'm still able to give to people and to support their ministry, I'm not overflowing with wealth. I really am not. I could pull up my PNC bank account to you right now. (laughs) I won't, (laughs) but I could (laughs) and show you I am not overflowing in riches and wealth, you know, and sometimes, you know, I look at this is, this is just me being completely honest. I look at guys who are like 24 in the NBA. They're making millions of dollars. Obviously, I don't have the physique nor the height to make it to the NBA, but I'm like, man, they're making like millions of dollars every year. They live in these big houses. They're driving these Range Rovers. They're doing all these. And sometimes I, I you know, you just entertain sometimes those thoughts. I don't know if you guys are on the same page with me, but I have those thoughts sometimes, and I'm like, Man, you know, if I just, if I just, if I just, but I recognize and I realize that I'm in the conversation of, Lord, you are my provider. (laughs) My own strength and my own ability has not given me the the finances for me to, you know, uh, support, you you know, other ministries or to support myself in regards to just basic living things. But I have what I need. I have what I need. Amen. <laughs> so our father, he's not broke. He loves the conversation that we have with him of saying, Lord, we need you. We need you. And the, and the truth of the matter is that God already knows what you need. He already knows what you need. Seriously, he knows what you need that we don't have to fret, we don't have to keep reminding God, God, I need this, I need this, I need this. We can st- we can pray in faith and say, Lord, I this is what I need. But the danger is when we pray out of faith and just keep reminding God that we need something because we don't really believe that he's going to provide for our needs. Right, there's a difference between saying, Lord, I trust and I believe that you will provide for my every need, my every financial circumstance with faith and confidence that he will. But then there's a a prayer out of faith where we just keep reminding him of the same thing over and over and over again because we don't believe he's actually going to come through. But God already knows what we need. He already knows what we need. And our greatest need was salvation. Our greatest need was salvation. He knew this before the beginning of time. He already knew our need. He knew that when he put Adam and Eve in that garden, that they would choose to disobey him. And in that, that that would be the way that our humanity is corrupted by sin and before the foundation of the world. He already had a plan for our redemption. (laughs) He already had a plan for our redemption, our greatest need, our greatest need. Check this out. John, 13, uh, John 3, 16. We know this so well, but check it out. For God so loved the world, me, you, the world, that he gave That he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You see, we fret about our current situations financially and, you know, all of that stuff. And sometimes, you know, we can get so caught up in our own situation, in our own financial turmoil, that if we were to just take a moment to meditate, And pause and think about how God provided for our greatest need freely, willingly, generously, his only begotten son. Our financial situation is a tiny P in comparison to our need for redemption. (laughs) Our need for the redeeming blood of Jesus. (laughs) That's how generous God is. Wow, that's how generous God is, that he gave his one and only son. He gave willingly. He wasn't forced, nobody twisted his arm to. Out of love, he gave. And that's how he does with all of his generosity. He gives out of love. All of God's generosity flows from love because he is love. And God has freely given us eternal life in and through his son, Christ Jesus. And because of Jesus, we can pursue higher riches. In the world, the world is only concerned about worldly riches. But beloved, we are not of this world. (laughs) Do you know what the scriptures say? We are not of this world. And that means that our mindset should not be concerned primarily about earthly riches. Our mindset shouldn't be concerned primarily about how much money can I get. I'm not, I'm not, look, I'm not you know knocking against you know savings and all that stuff and money and actual financial gain I'm not I'm just saying our mindset has to be higher than that our mindset has to go beyond just our current financial situation and asking the question am i rich towards god because you know Jesus gives a parable and he says there's there was a there was a rich man who stored his wealth all the way up in the silos and all that thing, and he said, and, he's, and the Lord comes to him in a moment and says, your life will be commanded of you, and he can't take that wealth with him. Right, so in a moment, so Jesus is trying to get his disciples to think, what am I really storing, where am I really storing treasures? Where am I really storing my riches? Am I aiming and pr- aiming my life to be rich towards God, or am I just really aiming to be rich on the earth? And earthly riches, they'll fade. We can't take them when we die. And that's why we have to seek eternal riches. Okay, go ahead and turn to page two. So we looked at the generous God. Like I said earlier in the message, in the summer of 2021, I Uh, We did a, uh, a message series entitled The Royal Priesthood, talking about our priestly identity before the Lord. And the priests, if you are unfamiliar with who they are in the Old Testament, they were the consecrated group of people from the tribe of Levi who it was their responsibility to minister before the Lord. They were fully consecrated from the 12 tribes of Israel to minister before the Lord, take care of the temple, take care of the tabernacle, the showbread, uh, the, the, the offerings, and the sacrifices. And because when they went into the land, they didn't receive the inheritance that was allotted to the 12 tribes of Israel. They got little cities here and there, pasture lands here and there, but they didn't get whole regions like the rest of the tribes of Israel because they were fully consecrated to the work of the Lord. And they were fully dependent upon the Lord, but also the people... To bring sacrifices and offerings to the tabernacle and the temple because they would live off of the food that uh, the people would bring to the tabernacle and the temple. And so when the people would bring a a bull or a goat or a lamb, they would slay it and they would take a portion of that meat for themselves because that's how they would live because they didn't have regions and a whole... Uh, grain fields and all of those things. And so when people would bring grain offerings, meat offerings, things of that sort, they would take a portion of it, a tithe, and they would live off of the offerings of, that the people brought to the tabernacle and the temple. Okay, so with that context in mind, this is paragraph A. So in the Old, te- in the old Covenant, uh, the Levites were excluded from the inheritance of Israel. Um, so So the Israelites, they were required to bring offerings to the Lord, and it would be a sweet aroma to him, but it would sustain the Levites' livelihood. So check this out in Deuteronomy 18, verse 3. It says, And this shall be the priest's due from the people, from those offering a sacrifice, whether an ox or a sheep. They shall give to the priest the shoulder and the two cheeks and the stomach." So this is what they would eat, and this is what they would live off of. And so the Apostle Paul takes this, and he says, and he, and he relates it to the ministers who minister the gospel. right? And check this out as New Testament priests. So in the New Testament, the New Testament is clear that every believer is considered a priest before the Lord. And you see that in 1 Peter 2, uh, and you see that in Revelation 1. And we don't have time to dive into all of that. You know, there's a, I I could do a whole teaching on that, but I'm not. Um, But though we all are priests, not everyone is in full-time vocational ministry, okay? So I'm I'm speaking to you all not as a full, like, not as a full-time minister. I'm speaking to you all as a high school teacher. You know, I'm like, I'm not, like, of course, what I do is, ministry. I would consider it ministry. I'm teaching the Bible all day every day to high schoolers, but my livelihood doesn't come from a church. My what my my car bill comes from the school. You know, I'm able to pay my car bill because I work for the school, not because I work in a church. And so you may be asking and wondering, Well, why do my tithes and offerings matter here when I bring them to a church, whatever church you attend or specifically here in our context to SOCC? Well, it's because the people who are in vocational ministry live off of, because they're fully consecrated to the work. They're fully consecrated to giving themselves to the work of the Lord. It's important that we bring our tithes and our offerings to church because that's their livelihood. (laughs) Seriously, it is. It not only blesses God because we're saying to him, we trust you, Lord, with our 90%, because that's what a tithe is. A tithe is 10% of your income. It's about saying, Lord, I trust you more with 90% than I do with my own 100%, right? But when we also bring our tithe to the church, it helps the ministers who are in the church to pay their bills, to, you know, sustain their livelihood, so on and so forth. And this is what the Apostle Paul says. And this is how I'm relating it to what I'm just talking about here. This is the, this is the Apostle Paul. And so this is the background knowledge of Old Testament priests. This is, this is priestly language that he's using here in 1 Corinthians 9. He says, do you not know? that those who are employed in the temple service, the priests, get their food from the temple? He says, in the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel, or those who are ministers of the gospel, should get their living by the gospel. The Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. So that's why it's so important for us not only to bring tithes and offerings to church, but when you see a missionary and when you see people who are asking for support, it's because they're fully giving themselves to the Lord to to devote themselves full time to the work that you and I can't do because we're, you know, doing business here, teaching here, other work there. You know, it's, it's important because we get to support the work that God is doing through them. Seriously, I'm not talking as a full-time minister where I'm saying, you know, give more to the church because I'm a full-time minister. (laughs) I'm saying it as a high school teacher. That's why our offerings and our tithes bless not only God, but it blesses the people that it it financially supports. Does that make sense? It's, It's this priestly paradigm. Now, we're all priests before the Lord, but we're not all in vocational ministry. Okay. All right, wrapping things up here. So the heart of New Testament generosity, the heart of New Testament generosity, and I'm just hitting these points really quick here, is that in his sermon on the mount, Jesus was clear that those who follow him cannot serve God in money. Very clear. The focus and accumulation of earthly wealth will render one poor towards God. We should focus on heavenly treasures. That doesn't mean that being blessed financially is a sin. It's just that if you serve money, you're not also serving God as well. Seriously. Jesus is very clear. Check this out. In Matthew six twenty four. he says it very clearly. He says, no one can have two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other. You cannot serve both God and money. It's impossible. Jesus said this on his Sermon on the Mount. So it's either the Lord is your Lord or money is your Lord or something else is your Lord, but you can't have two masters. He's saying you've got to be wholehearted in this thing. You've got to really give yourself over to me and you'll see me provide for you and be generous like he is. And so this is just a, a, a simple declaration of lordship over our finances. We can't have two masters. But then the heart of, uh, of giving, right? As we give, Jesus is more concerned about the heart's posture than the amount, even though that there is a biblical precedent for the amount we ought to give, right? The tithe. That's the 10%. Right? It pleases God when we give, even when it is not ideal to our current situation. Remember that story? where the the people in the synagogue they would walk up and they would give their money out of their riches but then there is that woman with the two mites and he, he she 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 gave everything that she had two mites was barely anything back in that day it's like two pennies literally you know what would it look like if somebody came in here with the offering basket drop two pennies in there right and to people it's like that's hardly anything but Jesus affirmed that woman and he said she has given more than everybody because it wasn't about the size of her financial gift it was about the size of her heart giving right and that leads me to the next that leads me to the next point in paragraph c under roman numeral three is that when we give the attitude that we have is really important oh my gosh i gotta give again (sighs) and then go stomp back to your seat and take a seat right it's God loves a cheerful giver. It's my joy to give to you. <laughs> it's my delight to give, right? We uh, uh, the attitude we have is equally important to the posture of our hearts. A cheerful giver is someone God especially delights in because he is because God is a cheerful giver. A cheerful giver is somebody that God delights in because God is a cheerful giver. Right in Acts 20:35 the apostle paul he talks about how it is more blessed to give than to receive right and so we should give joyfully even if you know if the lord is calling us to give in our current situation give joyfully even if it is not ideal to our current situation and then we ought to give humbly Right? As we give, there is a subtle temptation you know, to boast in blessing someone, yet Jesus was clear that we should give in humility, not practicing our righteousness before people. We see that in Matthew 6. Right? We must seek the approval and praise of God and not man. And finally, I want to just end on this right here and just give a challenge to us. Is that when we give cheerfully, humbly, and from the right heart, we accumulate riches towards God. Right, like I said before, and just for reiteration and reemphasis, we will not take any of our earthly riches to heaven seriously. We really won't. When we're, when, when we're buried in that tomb, it's not like we're saying, oh, Man, what happened to their uh, money in their bank account? They took, you know, you, you see money bag floating up. You, you don't, yeah, that won't happen. You, you won't see money bags floating up with your spirit, you know, when you go to stand before the Lord. Seriously, you're going to leave all of that here. And so really what Jesus is trying to get us to think about in his teachings and through the apostles is what are you bringing with you when you stand before the Lord? Are you, are you only rich On the earth, or are you rich towards the Lord? Are you accumulating eternal riches? Because those are riches that moth cannot eat up and destroy. Because this is what it says in 1 Timothy and Paul, he gives a strong, strong warning to those who are rich in the earthly sense. But he talks, and we're not going to read it all. You can read it later in 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 10. It's a strong warning to those who are accumulating, uh, who have earthly riches and wealth. But he says this, in in light of our inability to bring riches before the Lord, financial riches before the Lord, he says, godliness with contentment is great gain. He's saying, be content with what you have. (laughs) You've got your daily bread, right? God has provided for you, right? He says, just pursue a life of godliness and you're okay. (laughs) He's like, you're okay. You're okay. So although we all could use a financial boost, we should be content more with a godly life than earthly riches. That a godly life before the Lord is greater gain than what's in our bank account. And so this is, this is just a couple quick practicals, and I want to give us a challenge here. A practical, one that I've been doing for a few years is this, is that in my budgeting... What I do, like I said, I do the whole Dave Ramsey thing. So every single time I get a check, I know where my money's going. How much is going to my groceries, how much is going to my free spend. I have a piece of paper. I just, you know, uh, do all the math and calculations. As soon as that check hits my bank account, that's what I do. I'm just telling you what I do. You don't have to do this, but this is what I do. Is that I have two separate giving envelopes and folders. I have the 10% of my check, right? So... My check doesn't really look like $100, but just for the sake of easy math, if I have $100, 10% is $10, right? That's my tithe. And what I bring here to the church, I drop my $10 or my tithe, my 10% in the offering bucket, but then I also have a folder of giving where I say this is the envelope, and I, you know, it's it just kind of, you know, I put either $100 in there or 150 or whatever with my real check amount, and I just say, okay. If the Lord ever puts it on my heart this week to give to somebody, I'm ready just to, boom, just give it to them right then and there, right? Just, just, just to have just that generous, generous posture of saying, not only is it just my tithing, but it's also I want to bless the ministers that come through here or that, you know, ministries that are in the Lansing area that I can give to their cause and what they're doing in the city, that's just that's just, a, just one simple practical that I do personally. I've found it very, very helpful because not only am I, you know, fulfilling my tithe, my 10%, but I'm also wanting to be generous to the people that are around me so I can support, uh, you know, missionaries and, or whatever, whatever it may look like. And then a the second practical thing is that you can just simply ask opportunities for God to give. <laughs> All you got to do is say, Lord, it doesn't even have to be elaborate. Lord, would you open a door for me to give to somebody? And I promise you, within, you know, maybe minutes or hours or a day, somebody will say, hey, I'm in a financial deficit right now. And it's like, oh, Lord, I didn't know that you were that serious about, it. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but it's challenging. It's challenging to us because it's about how tightly are we hanging on to our finances, right? It's about... Is about freely giving just as the Lord has freely given to us. Now, this is my challenge to us, um, is that we have a minister coming in town in a few weeks. His name is Kirk Bennett. And when ministers come into town, do conferences, there's typically an offering that is taken up for that minister. Right? And what I want, what I want to challenge us as, as a church, this is just a challenge is that when he comes into town, I want him to be blessed by us. (laughs) When he comes into town, I've been having this in my mind for, for a few weeks now. And every single check, I'm just putting a little bit aside, a little bit aside, so that when that offering comes, I'm able to say, boom, Kirk Bennett, here you go. It's not much, but this is what I got for you because I want you to be blessed. Towards him and just our Christ likeness towards him, um, that he would that he would say, "Wow, S.O.C.C. blessed me a lot." And so, uh, yeah, this is this is how we're this is how we're ending here. Um, amen? amen, amen. All right, go ahead. I'm gonna invite you guys to stand. We'll close this thing out. That's who we're called to be. We're called to be generous people, trusting and believing that God gives good gifts to us. And as we receive, we want to be people that give generously. And so, uh, like I said, as Kirk Bennett comes in a few weeks, I I want him by us to be blessed as a church. All right. So, Father, we come before you. In the name of your glorious son, Jesus. And we say thank you, Lord. We say thank you, Lord, for the way that you provide for us. Lord, the way that you uh, touch our lives with your generosity. Lord, that we recognize, even right now, Lord, that you own everything. Everything is yours, all of our wealth, all of our assets. Lord, it is yours. And so God, we're asking in the name of Jesus that you would make us good stewards of what you have given to us. Lord, that you provide for us our daily bread, everything that we need. And so God, I'm asking in the name of Jesus, Lord, would you touch our lives with a spirit of generosity? Lord, that you would touch our hearts with generosity just as you are generous towards us. So, God, I'm asking that you would give us divine wisdom on what it looks like to be generous ministers before you, Lord. That you would be blessed by the way that we handle and manage our finances, God. So we bless your name, Jesus, Lord. And we say thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. You're a good good.